Smartcast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I had the opportunity of introducing Amadi Akusa today. And uh, one of the reasons we're having this episode is because with everything that's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's been, you see a lot of stuff in the media. You see things that just, it leaves us without words, the kind of stuff we're dealing with right now. And I had the opportunity of meeting Amadi last Saturday. I went to a protest and I was blown away by how many people showed up. It was a peaceful protest. There was a lot of support within the community. The four miles or so that we all marched through downtown Tampa and ended up at Curtis Hickson Park. One of the things that caught me the most and really impressed me the most was the support from everyone passing in their cars. Everybody was honking in support. People were really touched by the particular event that I went to, and it blew me away as a person. Imadi himself, just a little background, he's a recent graduate from the University of South Florida. I believe he's going to be one of these people we're going to hear about years in the future. This movement for change that we're witnessing firsthand, not only in Tampa, where I live, in Tampa, Florida, where we both are located, but throughout the world, other countries, as well as throughout the United States, which, you know, our desire to call for an end to racism, police brutality, hatred, and discrimination. These are things that are going to change the world once and for all. The Tampa Police Department arrested Ahmadi during one of the recent protests last week, and they're alleging that he incited a riot, which is considered a felony under Florida law. A petition has been circulated on change.org to demand that these charges be dropped since Ahmadi was merely exercising his constitutional rights to tackle the problem of systemic racism as a private citizen. The petition itself has has received an electrified outpouring of support. In several days, I believe as of now, it's up to about 57,000 signatures. And just for anyone in my audience who might be interested, uh, I put a a link to the actual petition from change.org 
in the program notes for this podcast. I encourage anyone interested to please check out that link, look at the petition, and if you can, please add your name to it. I think it's very positive that we can express and show our support for Ahmadi in this particular scenario right now. Basically, even though it's 2020, if we were to close our eyes right now and look at this information critically, you might feel like it's 1968. Progress has not occurred the way we needed it to. It's been hampered. Change is needed now, and we need to work together to support one another. This is not a time for us to be divided, and this is not a time for us to call labels and names to one another. We're all looking to improve our system. With all that said, it's with great pleasure that I welcome Amadi to the show. Welcome to the show, Amadi. Hey, how you doing? Good, good, good. Thank you for joining um, this interview today. I know you're busy, and I appreciate it. And uh, what I want to do no, is I, I, gave a, <laughs> I gave a little overview, but I'm not always accurate in how I describe things. So I wanted just to see if you could share with our audience, uh, you know, a little about yourself. Where are you from? What brought you to the Tampa Bay area in Florida? And um, those kind of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, don't, I don't have too interesting of a life, I can't lie. Um, but I was born in North Haven, Connecticut, which is a predominantly white town where a lot of people don't know where Connecticut is, but it's just in between New York and Boston. Um, so I grew up then. I was just, I did regular things. I played basketball. I played football. I played track. I was sort of a, I was sort of a jock um, growing up. And then after that, I came to USF, uh, University of South Florida. So I just wanted to get out of Connecticut. I wanted to be I basically really wanted to go where everyone vacations, and that was my that that was my my thought process into coming to USF. So I applied to UT, USF, and FSU, and then I just fell in love with the the campus at USF as well as the diversity. Like it felt like home. Absolutely. It felt like home the minute I walked yeah. on. Um. Well. And so. Excellent. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No. No. I'm, I'm, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. No. So then Where I just started you? to um. I started off as a political science, as a political science major down here at USF, and then I switched over to psychology and criminology to get into a more um, personal level instead of taking over the entire grand change of everything. But I see things are changing now, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, for you to say you don't have a very interesting background, I would say you're making up for it the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, just oh, doing what you're trying to oh, do right now. Now I have a story. <laughs> yes, now I have a story. It, it's interesting because it's a story that's not ending. It's going to continue. And your story is going to, I think, impact a lot of people. I, uh, in terms of, of this particular situation, I got a chance to meet you last Saturday. At that point, you've already been organizing these events for how long? Um, Not too long. Honestly, we, my first protest was, last saturday so i would say about like 11 days ago 12 days ago okay and how did go ahead sorry no and i i didn't even go as i i promise you i just went out there as a boy with a megaphone i didn't go out there and to, <laughs> to gain this attention to gain this attraction like my entire life i felt as though these were topics that needed to be spoken about if anyone followed me on instagram they would know that i've been ranting on instagram about equality from trans lives to black lives to women's rights to, to anything that I feel is being neglected as a minority. So it's always been something I fought for, but when I went to the protest, I was only going to support my friend Leah, who was hosting the protest. I was only going to, okay. to show her support and to fight for what I felt needed to be spoken about. And right before we started, 
she wasn't able to speak on it or she got a little bit stage fright or she got too emotional too emotional and she asked me to take over and i guess little by little just a domino effect that's how i ended up where i'm at today well interesting i know coming from the perspective of this kind of situation sometimes people have to you know everyone has their own role everyone has uh, a role to fill and i think your shoes right now that you're filling are, are really needed because this is literally coming out from all the struggles of historically what, what everyone's been through in this society and looking at your dynamic of what you're, what you're experiencing, playing football, being a jock, living in Connecticut. I'm from New Jersey myself. You, you fit in the system. You did your best to fit into that system, right? Exactly. And you, you do, really what do. You, what you can and what you, you, we all invest into that system. You know, we invest in it because we believe in it. But unfortunately there are times when we get trigger points when uh, flashpoints, I should say, when you see something like what happened with George Floyd, that causes your stomach to just rise into your throat and you get sick and you can't even imagine where we are right now. It's 2020 and yet this should not ever happen. None of these situations should ever occur. And no. I just think from your vantage point, anyone listening to this, I like the idea of, of, of letting them know you're not just a person with a, with a loud you know, megaphone sitting in the middle of the street trying to create chaos and disorder. You've bought into the system. You, you graduated from USF recently, literally. You just had that happen last month. Mm -hmm. And now you're trying to, you're, you're, I understand the passion. And everyone, there's so many people who share it. Some people don't know where to put it, where to channel it, how to do things. You're representing someone who's taking that active step of, of creating something from, from where there was nothing. There wasn't a blueprint here of what to do with the situation. So in that respect, I give you kudos. I also think- Thank um, you that going forward, this is such a tremendous opportunity for everyone, for all of us. I think there's such an opportunity here. And I, I'm excited. There's because, so much momentum behind um, this. There's so much energy behind this. Exactly. So much momentum and energy. And I guess what I want to ask you is, when you, when you went to the protest last week, did you think a week later, you, or two weeks later, your first protest, did you think two weeks later you'd be where you are right now? I couldn't, I couldn't have even imagined that I would be in this position two weeks ago. I would have never thought that, so I would have never thought that I would have a felony on my hands for eliciting a riot. I would have never thought that I would have been tear gassed and maced and eye to eye with police officers begging for them to acknowledge me and them blatantly ignoring me. I think even two weeks ago, I think as time passes, the reason this is so imperative, the reason this is so necessary for us to create change is because like you said, it's, it's gonna be a long battle. I remember four years ago when I heard about Trayvon Martin and Ferguson, and I was so mad. I oh. was so mad. I was so disheartened. I was so, I was so distraught as to how we can be so, so publicly discriminative and so publicly violent and hostile to people as if their lives didn't matter just because of the color of their skin. And I treated that as an individual case. I treated that as I was, that was when I was, when I was younger. So I wasn't necessarily like you said before, I was fitting into the scene. I was fitting into what I was told to be. I was a jock. I was, I was fitting into a lot of circles that I felt like I had to be in. But ever since then, when I hear about Alton Phelan, when I hear about uh, Philando Castile, when I hear about all these things, it's like, how can this continue to happen? And how can we watch somebody who was literally had somebody on their neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds with no, with no coverage from Ahmaud Aubrey the week, two weeks before that, Hearing about these consistent cases, it just shows you that this isn't an individual case. This isn't something that's changing. This is something that needs to be changed, and we cannot stop until it changes. And that's why I feel as though 
I didn't see myself in this position two weeks ago, but I couldn't be more grateful to be in this position because I'm just like so many other people across America who are just tired, who are tired of fighting and being ignored. I'm just like so many people who are tired of being scared and tired of being killed, and we don't know any other way to act. And that's why I'm so happy that I don't know who gave it to me, fate, luck, God, whatever it may be, but gave me this support and gave me this empowerment to try and make this change because it's so necessary. I don't, I can't see myself going back to normal life. I can't see myself returning back to how I was two weeks ago. Like this is revolutionizing my life and it's changed a lot of aspects for the good and also for the worse, but it's not, I keep coming back to this thought of, man, I really want to go back to normalcy. I really want to go back to like watching, watching Netflix shows and, trying to do yoga and laughing with my friends and stuff like that. Cause I can't <laughs> laugh for the last two weeks I've been stressed, but it's, I know that going back to that old lifestyle is accepting, is accepting defeat is accepting the fact that I'm okay with being neglected and being lesser than someone because I don't want to fight. And that's why I know it's necessary that I can't go back to that life. I, I don't know who I was two weeks ago, but I'm so proud of who I am to be today. And I'm so proud with how Tampa transformed and even the United States as a whole has transformed to fight against injustice from blacks, whites, Hispanics, to everybody, to everybody who's actively trying to fight for equality. So I'm not, I didn't and see myself here two weeks ago, but I'm so grateful to be here. I can't say that. I, I want to tell you something. As we're literally talking right now for this episode, I went on the change.org petition and I'm watching signatures go up like a clock. It's at 57,840 wow. signatures right now. When I checked this earlier, yes. it was at like 54,000. So you have a lot of people that signing on this That is crazy. That is crazy. I think that's saying something by itself that we're getting people to sign this and, and having it out there in support of you. Uh, with reference to the situation uh, in terms of, of just for the audience, uh, the purpose of how, how if, if you're comfortable talking about this or not, if you could just share with the audience what exactly happened to cause you to get arrested. And um, I witnessed you personally telling people you're here for peaceful only. I heard you say that several times myself. And I know that there's yeah. over 400 witnesses on this particular petition that have indicated they've witnessed you do the same thing. So I wanted just to ask if you could just share with the audience about how that ha what happened and, and how it happened kind of thing with your arrest. Yeah, I mean, the arrest, the arrest for me was just extremely, I mean, I, I take this, take this as a caution. It was extremely disheartening at first. And I want to emphasize at first, because for me, I, I knew that I had to try and be the bigger person for the sake of this movement. I knew that I had the possibility of getting tear gas and that I couldn't swing back and I couldn't do anything. Cause the minute I swing back, I'm either arrested, I'm recorded, and then the whole movement is devalued. Like, and like I was telling you earlier, there was, there was somebody when we had, a, we had a protest, we were all on our knees, and I, we were all advocating for peace. We, were, we even started chanting peaceful protest, and we were facing off with the police officers, and we were on our knees with our hands in the air screaming, hands up, don't shoot. Literally looking at the police officers, waiting for them to acknowledge us so we can take a moment of silence for George Floyd. We weren't disrupting anyone. We weren't harming anybody. We were on our knees, basically in submission, which is very humble for where we should be because people are tired and people are angry. But even in that, we decided to be submissive. We decided to show that we are the bigger person. And even then, it just wow. took one person in the back who, who threw a water bottle 
that didn't touch the police officers, didn't even make it to the shield, but just that one act gave them reason to mace the entire front row with their hands in the air. And the person who threw the water bottle didn't get maced, only the people in the front who got maced, the people who were trying to advocate for peace. And then we look on the news the next day, and they're, they're basically saying that that was a riot and that that was violent and that that turned into a whole chaos when nothing happened besides one water, bo- one water bottle being thrown. No, I was just going to lead to the next protest because that was my whole mindset going into the next protest. Ever since then, I knew that even when we are 98% right, if we're not 100% right, they won't be on our side. And it, the rest of the world won't be on our side. So I'm, I'm so tired of being called a thug. And I'm so tired of saying that I'm starting riots when I've done nothing besides try to like be so transparent and be so vulnerable to these people as to why I am hurt and why I am, why I am out here. I don't want to be in the heat every day fighting and sweating. And I like, I'm, I'm giving up my lifestyle to fight for change and I wouldn't be doing it unless it was so essential to to my happiness here in America. But sorry that I'm getting sidetracked. With that being said, no, we went to no, the no. next hey, protest. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you're good, you're good. We went to this next protest as like that mindset. I told everyone before we left that I told them the situation that one person threw a water bottle, that that can't happen. I said everyone here has to be on one accord and fighting one system, which is the system. We can't, we can't be, there can't be any discourse. There can't be any conflict of interest. We need to all be fighting together in order to see change. And Absolutely. the reason I was so disheartened is because we were marching down the street and we were being so peaceful. We were marching down the street and everyone was singing their chants. Everyone was saying anything. And the police officers were, they thought we were going to the interstate, which we weren't. They thought we were going to the interstate. We were going to stop before it and take a moment of silence, which I even stated in my, in my speech before we left. But basically, the police officers came down and they rode up next to the protest. So if you can imagine the protest walking, the police officers came to the left of the 17-year-old girl. And she was holding an umbrella in her hand because she got maced the last protest. So she knew that she needed to have that umbrella to stop the mace. But at no point did oh. she assault the officer. But the yeah. officer was driving by her on his, on his, on his bike. And he decided to abuse his authority. He decided to abuse his power. And he decided to try and grab that umbrella that she was holding. And she Mm. didn't let go. Because she told me, she's like, I put three hours into making that umbrella. I'm not letting go. And she told me that before. And wow. I was going to ask you, what was on the umbrella? Was there something on there? Was it like a sign? Yeah. It was was beautiful. It was beautiful. It said Black Lives Matter. She had justice for George Floyd. And she was just a 17-year-old girl. I promise you, no taller than 5'5", no more than 130 pounds. Like, such a sweet girl. And I, I, when I got arrested, the only thing I could think about is that, and this is why I, it was so hard for me to accept that all of this went bad. Because when, so basically, as the police officer was driving by her, he tried to take her umbrella for no apparent reason. There was no reason for him to take the umbrella. He just wanted to abuse his power. In the process mm-hmm. of doing that, I saw them tussling. And I even sprinted to Marley and yelled at Marley because I thought she was aggressing the police officers. If that gives a hint at uh, what type of protest this was. Like, we were keeping everybody in check. Wow. But, you know, um, long story short. Month... Go ahead, sorry. 
I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Listen, everything you're saying is exactly on point. I want to let you talk as much as possible. Here's what I'll say. The, the description of what you're giving me and them claiming that that's a riot, I have a bridge to sell in the middle of Alaska to nowhere, made of ice, if people want yeah. to invest, that you guys were inciting a riot. Because to me, it sounds like there was no riot in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. And if it was like what I saw on Saturday of last week, it was a peaceful protest. Now, you can't control every single person at the event. And if somebody threw a water bottle, the cops should have, the, the police officer should have arrested the person with the water bottle that was discharged improperly. Not the rest of the crowd that was there peacefully with their hands up on their knees. Yeah. I, yeah. It, 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 it's a loss of words for me. I, um, looking at it, I just want to ask you uh, where you are right now. Have you thought about, did you, did you think you'd have this much of an impact already? in terms of what, you, what, what everyone's been working together to accomplish, because you have an impact already. Whether or not you see a tangible impact yet, it's existing. It's here. You, you, you are doing, a, in my opinion, you're continuing what happened 50 years ago or last, whatever, any kind of protest. That oh, exists, yeah, this is, you're this part is the of, biggest civil rights movement this, today. Exactly. And today. I guess what I want to ask you did, you, did you ever expect that you would be thrusted into this situation where you are? as a leader of this, or even whether or not you call yourself a leader of it or acknowledge it, I no. would say at this point, you're a leader. <laughs> yeah, never in my life would I have thought I was here. Never, and even you saying that, it's hard for me to accept that, like, it's hard for me to accept that I am a leader because I, I genuinely feel as though I haven't done anything besides go out there and just fight for what I believe is right, just to fight for these people that I, that I think, how, how could I phrase this? Not fight for these people, just fight for equality. Like, just fight for normal decency of what we should all be fighting for. And that's why I, I feel so strongly when I see allies out there, because it's like, you don't have to be out here. You're out here because, because you are just as mad as me about this change. I would be fighting the same way for a women's march. Like I said, I would be fighting the same way for a trans march. It doesn't matter, because I just think that everyone needs to be respected in the same light. So I can't say that I'm surprised that this is what I'm fighting for. But when I got out of jail and I saw my phone, when I saw the amount of money people raised for me, when I saw the amount of support I had and people who didn't know me who said they cried over my arrest, who, who didn't know me who said that they were so happy that I was safe, like, at that very moment, I realized the power behind this movement. And at that very moment, I realized, in, not even in an egotistical way, but the power behind my voice and the power behind the how much we can do if we unify together. Like Tampa as a whole is taking down Tampa PD. I'm upset that I got arrested, but that arrest, that arrest, even them attacking Marley, because after they, after they tried to yank the umbrella, she ended up um, getting away for about 30 seconds. And the same officer who did that was basically upset and they arrested her for no reason. And there's video evidence of it everywhere on Twitter if you checked for it. But they grabbed her umbrella, pulled her to the ground and arrested her in front of everyone. And that, and they started off, as soon as they arrested her, they threw two cans of uh, tear gas and brought up their rubber bullets and their mace. Oh. So within seconds, the crowd dispersed. But it was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be that they made it, they made it into a quote-unquote riot. And they can't even justify that it was a riot because there was no damage, there was no violence, there was nothing done besides on their part. But none of them were hurt and none of them were impacted by this besides us, besides the countless people who literally Marley was handcuffed and in a puddle of pepper spray 
just sitting in there wow. while they handcuffed her and sprayed around the crowd. Like, can you imagine? Wow. And that's why it just hurt me. It hurt me so much because, first of all, Marley's white, and she was fighting because she didn't have to fight. She was fighting for equality, and she was fighting for change. And she did not have to do that. And for her to be 17 years old and to be laying in, in a puddle of pepper spray, I got pepper sprayed. And I was in pain when I was in handcuffs. And I can't even imagine she should never have to go through that. But what was so important about that is that that validated every reason we were out there. Like that made you know it so that I understood why I was out there because this it's so apparent. If I didn't have all the tampa behind me, I would still be behind bars right now. And I did nothing wrong to be behind bars. It's terrifying that you would actually be dealing with firsthand the type of things that we're trying to reform, meaning you protest, Marley protests, you guys get arrested for something that doesn't warrant an arrest. If anything, those are your constitutionally protected rights. As long as you're peaceful and you're following the guidelines of things, that's constitutionally protected. And most people know we have protections, but they don't realize what's protected versus not protected. And I think the reason why they may have brought you under charges for inciting a riot, because they probably know through their training, the law enforcement, that inciting a riot is not considered protected by the Constitution. So that's their way they can get you. Personally, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. And it's hard to speculate what law enforcement thinks, but their actions, to me, it seems to me like they're coming from a place of fear with themselves. You know, anyone who's being so overly aggressive, it's a place of fear. They're afraid. And I think they're afraid of the type of change that could meaningfully happen here if we're not separated from each other, segregated from each other, working together. And I think those are the things I think that when we, whenever a protest occurs, thinking of the police coming from a place of fear, it's like a caged animal. They're afraid. So they're going to do certain things sometimes that might fall into this category of shock for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Looking at And, and, you know, there's a big element of this because I think the fact is you want nothing but peaceful protests, peaceful demonstrations. Only peaceful protests, yes. When you, when you think back to Rosa Parks or you think back to anyone in the historical movements of the 1960s, a lot of people did get arrested. MLK got arrested um, through civil disobedience and those kind of things. I really do think, unfortunately, you getting arrested now is going to speak volumes in the future of why the purpose of this movement is so important and everyone has got to buy into it and understand it, not just in Tampa, but across the world. And I think that we're literally one arm of a larger thing that's moving right now. And we're going to see that in the future going forward. Let me, let me ask you this in terms of what you are looking to do in the future. uh, You got, you got your degree in what? I have a degree in psychology. I majored in psychology and I have a minor in criminology. Have you, uh, have you thought about your long-term goals or what you want to do beyond this movement? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was sort of, I was just getting out of college. So I had a lot of ideas going through. I know my general goal. I've always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to be like, to rehabilitate people from certain traumas. Um, Because as being a gay black man, I have dealt with certain traumas from discrimination within the system to discrimination for being gay and just a lot of different traumas that I think a lot of people may not be able to sympathize with to the same extent. And so I focused on, I worked with refugees before to try and help them assimilate into society um, when I studied abroad. And so I tried to help refugees that were coming across from like Morocco and places like that so they could get into Europe 
and more specifically Barcelona and try to find jobs and assimilate. And I thought that was amazing. And I wanted to sort of stick with something close to that. So I thought about working in prison systems because I want to specifically help minorities. And I know that the prison systems are overly saturated with minorities due to systematic uh, racism and discrimination, not just because Black people are inherently more, quote unquote, violent, ghetto, X, Y, Z, like people like to um, allege, show, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah. show them as. But I wanted to try and give back to the community in that sense. I wanted to, but that's because before I felt so discouraged, before I felt like I was fighting a system bigger than me, I felt like I wanted to be a political science major, but every time I was a political science major, I just left the room mad. I just left the room so mm-hmm. angry and so helpless and so like, and so discouraged that I was like, I can't be mad for the rest of my life. And that's why I chose psychology to help people on a more personal level. I was like, if I can't help the entire, the entire of America, entirety of America, then I can at least help these 40, 50, 60 people that are getting out of the prison systems that won't go back because of my help. And that's what I wanted to try and do. But like I said, now my, my entire vision has changed. My entire vision has changed because I think that now we do have this momentum. I think we do have this change because never once has there been protests in every single state. Never exactly. once have we had international civil rights movements like this. Like people are angry, people are tired. And the thing is, the thing that discouraged me at first, but made me feel better is that just as tired as we are marching in the streets, just as tired as I am from neglecting my body and not being out there, not uh, catering to myself and catering more so to the community and to the protest, is that so are the police officers. So is the government trying to, trying to handle and maintain everything. Like when it comes to when I got arrested, I, had a, I, I wanted to speak with the officers so they could tell me, I just asked them, I was like, what's a better way for me to go about this to, to come about change? Because you can't tell me that we don't need change, but you also are telling me that this isn't the right way to go about it. So please enlighten me on how I should go about this. And they couldn't. They well, couldn't. Like, they told me, they were like, oh, well, because they, they thought they were going to, like, in a sense, clown me. Like, they thought they were going to say, they were like, oh, well, do you vote? And I was like, of course I vote. And of course all of my <laughs> friends vote. But you know what I'm saying? It goes deeper than voting. And they were like, and I was like, I've called legislation. I, I've called for legislative change. I've called the mayors. I've called police departments. And they turned their phones on, off on us. We conducted a call list. People think that we're just about protests. We conducted a call list, um, two call lists the week, of, um, the week of the protest that I got arrested at. And Jane Castor even turned off her phone because she didn't want to hear any more phone calls. And that's like, Have you- that speaks volumes on why this is so necessary because we protest and we scream on the side of the streets. We, we yell until we're blue in the face and people just roll their windows up and drive by us like we don't matter. And I think the same way everyone else is tired, the same way the police officers are tired, we're all so tired. People aren't doing this for fun. They're doing it because they, they see it as necessary. <laughs> exactly. It's not, like you're, it's not like you're going to Disney World for the day when it used to be open before COVID yeah, and you're walking around and seeing the rides. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Disney it's World, fun. for sure. no. As, especially with the threat of personal violence against whoever participates and the threat of arrest and whatever else. It's not a, it's yeah. not a very, uh, I hear the, it's not, I hear the concerns of my mother every day. You know, I hear the, I hear like my mom calls me and praise. Well, my mom calls me and is like concerned about me. Every time I go, I have to text her before I go. And after I come back, because she's, she's desperately scared for how I'm going to end up. And she knows this is necessary. She'll never tell me not to go out, 
but I know she is scared. My dad prays with me every time, but it's like, I never would have thought in my life that I would have been in this situation in which I have to fight for equality when it should just be a given. Like, I can't believe that I'm still protesting and fighting for something that I just think should be understood and not spoken about. But that's why I guess we have to keep fighting until we get to that point. Well, and the interesting thing about Jane Castor is she's the former chief of police for Tampa. I would think she would have a vested interest in wanting to communicate with you guys to find out, you know, if people have been arrested and if there's people who are injured, I would think she'd want to find out about that so that Tampa itself would seem to be responsive to its own citizens having concerns and having to take to, the, to, to a protest and show up in mass during a pandemic. You know, anyone who shows up right now understands that it's a bigger purpose. We're having a bigger purpose right now. Uh, You know, you can wear a mask and socially distant or whatever you're going to do, but you're still exposing yourselves, ourselves to potentially getting sick. And that's really putting your life on the line, whether or not you want to admit it or not. So I think that our elected representatives should respect that. They should respect that. They should give you a seat at the table so that they can hear what you have to say. And then they should put some type of structural reforms in place now, not next week, next year, or some other time, but now to protect you we, exactly. and anyone and else that shows the up to these things. We won't go back to go normal. Like, I'm tired of hearing, I'm tired of hearing, we're going to change this. Okay, we're going to get body cameras and we're going to enact this and we're going to enforce this. But people still don't have body cameras. The reforms still aren't taking place. And there still hasn't been any change in the rate of crime and the rate of um the rate of violent arrest. So with that being said, we can't, we can't deal with promises and, and IOUs. It has to be change that we see now and that we see implemented immediately. And we can't stop until we see that change because it's so tiring. It's so, it's so discouraging to see us continue to go back to normal. And I think a lot of people feel the same way as I do when we say we're not. Like we're not, it's, it's, it's almost as if you're not allowed to be in the gray area. You're not allowed to, to neglect it anymore. Like you have to either fight for the liberation of all people, including regardless of who you are, the liberation of all people, or you're not fighting for anybody and you're on the oppressor side. There is no gray area anymore. Like you have to be actively fighting in your own ways, talking to your parents, educating people around you. But it's important that we do that because I just, I can't imagine going back to normal. I wouldn't want to be here going back to normal. I, I can't. That normal mode, the mode of what's normal or what was the normal, that went out the window. When we had the COVID thing happen, there's, no, there's a new normal, they call it, for the, for the COVID stuff, right? Well, it's also a yeah, new normal in so. terms of race, uh, social justice issues in our country and, and in the world. Yeah. You know, if we're going to deal with our relatives dying potentially around us for some unidentified virus that's novel, the coronavirus, and we're having our economy suffer, and all these people are are really seeing firsthand brutality on videotapes when you have these different situations occurring throughout the country, there's not going to be a normal like that anymore. This is the new reality that we're looking at. So now we've got to figure out the best way of going forward. You know, I'm grateful that you're here and your age group. I I saw more people in your age group than any other age group at that. I mean, as a big, broad crowd, but the fact that so many people your age and younger and older, all walks of life are banding together. is just so impressive to me, you know? Um, it's because we were I born mean, into this. We are born into this world where we can't we can't sit around in the face of injustice anymore. You know, like I think people forget how how recent the civil rights movement was. 
and how recently just gained rights. You know, but now it's I'm tired of being told that I'm free when I'm not treated as so. And I think that's what a lot not of people all. in our generation feel. And that's why it's like before they didn't act like they were free. They made it clear that they weren't free. But then they, they granted them rights, but the rights, they didn't change the systematic racism that was ingrained. This was built on slaves' back. All of America was built on the backs of slaves. So it's natural. If you build it on, on a shaky in, uh, institution, then it's natural for it to have a domino effect in every aspect, from education to housing to, to mental health to everything. And in all aspects, it needs to be revolutionized and changed. And I agree oh, 100%. Gosh, I think I... I lost my, I lost my no. thought. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. You. <laughs> you know, no, you're okay, you. but yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No, Go I have thought. nothing more. I lost my train of thought. You, you take it over. You take it over. Oh, no worries. No worries. I, I just think this. I think looking at the situation from my perspective, when I showed up to last Monday's protest, I, I don't think I don't know, it was in front of Channel 13 News or whatever, that was a week ago. And I was there and mm-hmm. I felt fear because when I showed up to it, I didn't expect to go, but they closed down the road and I walked into it. And there were more police like, surrounding us back then, like a circle. And I remember when I left the protest, like at the end, one of the state troopers was a street down, like a block down. And he looked at me and I was by myself and he said, thank you for being peaceful today. And I'm like, thank you for being peaceful today. And he kind of looked at me kind of shocked yeah. that I would say that to him. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> exactly. if you're going to thank me for being peaceful, why can't I thank you for the same? Because it's a two-way dialogue and a two-way interaction. Every kind of situation like this is a two-way interaction. And so from my vantage point, if you're going to thank me for being peaceful, I'm going to thank you back because we're both here together. And you have a role with your job as a law enforcement officer, as a state trooper. And I happen to be a citizen that's wanting to know what's going on with this situation. I see it on TV. I, see, I hear about it in the media. I want to see firsthand to see what this is like. And when I went to the one last yeah. Saturday, you're, the one I met you at, one of the things I realized when I marched, and this is the first time in my life I could say this, I realized how people could put their life on the line for a movement. I'm not advocating anyone die right now, but I felt that sense of camaraderie myself. I felt a larger purpose. I felt a larger meaning to it. And it it woke me up from something that I didn't realize before. And that's just me. I know across this country and across this world, that type of epiphany is going to happen repeatedly over and over again until eventually these vestiges of hate and racism, you know, all that stuff that's resistant to change is going to end at some point. I don't know how far Mm -hmm. off. But I know it's going to be within definitely our lifetimes, especially hopefully mine, because I'm a lot older than you. So I'm saying sooner than later. I, I, you know, I agree. Let me ask I you. I agree 100 yeah, percent. You're good. You're good. No, it's <laughs> all right. No, but I was just. Um, oh, there goes my train thought one more time. Go ahead. Take it away. I'm sorry. I don't, no, you're fine. I know. Is this one of your first interviews, right, for a podcast and stuff? It's, it's, yeah, it's, you're doing a good job, first, by the this way. This is my first podcast. <laughs> Well, I want to tell you, you're doing a phenomenal job because of what you're doing right now. The fact that we're having this dialogue, members of my audience are going to hear us talking about this, and hopefully it'll cause them to think beyond what they're hearing about through the media and through the prism of the lens of the information that they get. I see you the way I saw you at the protest. I saw you as this, you know, person who's very passionate and doesn't want anyone to have anything going out of haywire, you know, no protest, be not, you know, you want it as nonviolent. And you did that. And the fact is, you're in a situation right now where I think they're trying to, the other side's trying to apply pressure on you. And I'm happy that you have a lawyer involved. And I'm yeah. happy that we can have you on this show. And all the people that are outpouring their support from you, for you, 
is, is it, speaks, it speaks volumes to what you are doing right now, what this movement is doing, what everyone who shows up and does each time is doing. Because mm-hmm. I personally think this stuff's going to change one mind at a time. That's how it's going to change. And the more we engage the other side in sense of being out of protest, but not doing it without anything but peace and love and harmony in our mindset and, and our approach, you know, you can be upset and you can go protest, but you don't need to be, you know, we, it's like having an argument with a relative. You, you might get upset with them, but when it, when it comes yeah. to the end, you're not going to have a, a violent altercation with your relatives. Some do, but most of us do not. <laughs> so that's the way this should go. This should not, this doesn't need to be uh no, let's talk, let's compromise, yeah. let's speak about what needs to be changed. And that's why I, going off what you said before, I I definitely, definitely agree that this has brought me a sense of um, family. This has brought me a sense of, um, I, I my emotions go back and forth every time. I go from being discouraged to feeling empowered, and it's just a constantly tug and pull. But when I when I went to my very first first protest, I think that's when I got that spark. That's when I got that feeling of we had, like, this isn't just another protest. This is the revolution. This is the change that's going to happen. This is how we're going to make sure America focuses on the change, on focuses on equality and focuses on acknowledging everybody. Because when I went to that first protest and I saw people crying, literally, you know what I'm saying, my friends that I've known that I've gone to USF with, going out in the streets with me, and we're all pleading and yelling and crying, voicing our opinions. I, I spoke next to a girl whose brother just recently um, was arrested and never came home because he ended up dying in police custody, and they said he committed suicide. Oh, and no one knows what? the truth to it. No one knows the truth to it, and it was here in Tampa. So for her to speak wow. on that and to see her pain like, that's another story of people who weren't recorded. That's, that's someone who wasn't a hashtag. That's somebody who wasn't advocated for, but they still lost their life, and the family was still grieving. And when you share that, that common pain, when you share that common energy between everyone, it makes you feel as a collective. It makes you feel empowered because it's like we're not going back to normal. I, and I, the only thing, I didn't feel her pain directly for that instance, but I felt her pain of neglect. I felt her pain of being ignored. And I think that's the one powerful thing that I take from this, because every protest that we've had, one person will message me after and be like, thank you for that protest. You taught me something today. Eric, thank you for that protest. Like, we've held protests where we just had uh, open forums with the community in which we would talk to the community and see how they felt we should bring change. Like, they're not all protests, but we had an open forum with the community. And I had people reach out to me and just say, thank you. Thank you for that, because you educated me on what needs to be changed and why I'm out here fighting. And I think that's what's important is that there is awareness being brought to this, you know, like LA just defunded its police system. Um, Minneapolis is, I think they're debanding it, honestly. They're working towards abolition. So it's like, there is change. We just can't stop. This can't just be a, cool, thank you for uh, painting the brick walls Black, Black Lives Matter, but that's not what we want. We want legislative change. We want to see change that can't be reversed that can't just be promised and gone back on. We need to see change on all levels. And I think that there is that sense of family. There is that sense of communal energy that we're all gonna put together towards this movement. So I do have faith because of that feeling and solely because of that feeling, because it seems like everything else is against us, but the only thing we have is each other. 
You know what? That's beautifully said. And as you were just telling me that, I thought of a couple of different things. I'm a, I'm a big fan of history. I'm a nerd like that. I watch the History Channel when I'm home alone and I'm not doing any of this stuff with my show or whatever. And I think back to Gandhi. I think back to Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. I think back to MLK. All these people who are in their time where they were considered whoever depends on how you look at it. Some of them consider them agitators, possibly inciting riots, possibly being, you know, criminals, being people who are supposed to be standing up the way that they are, yet the sacrifices those individuals made changed the lives of millions and millions of people for the good over the long haul. And I really do strongly believe that everyone who's doing the stuff that they're doing now, including you and including everyone else across the country that's speaking up and around the world, are going to find that as long as we continue to do this, we're going to continue the, the challenges and the changes within the human race, the evolution of it, sociologically or whatever you want to call it, that started thousands of years ago, or as long as you want to say, even through the yeah. 1960s to now with our movement here. But it, it, it's, it's just like you're just wanting an equal seat at the table like anyone else. You don't want to have to fear that if you go out at a certain time at night that you might get shot by some law enforcement officer or some other individual because they thought you were carrying a gun when you had your Altoids in your pocket or you don't try to say it's like, let us live, let us live. That's all we want. We want to live and enjoy our lives. It's like, it's, it it really seems like we're asking for the most. It really seems like we're, we're asking for so much. Like, I just don't want to see when I watch, like I've, I've, I've seen, well, we've all seen these, these unjust killings by the police. You know what I'm saying? We've all had them highlighted. Sometimes they're recorded, sometimes they're not, and that's the hardest part for me to, like, grasp. But more importantly, when I saw Ahmaud Aubrey, when I found out that his mother went two months with no justification, with no word, with no mm. even files charged against losing her son, the first thing that just went through my mind is that my brother, he was, he was he's going to be a D1 athlete, and he's working towards that right now, and he does the same wow. thing. He takes jogs in the morning. So I'm just like, if I, the thought that I could even hear that my brother wouldn't come home. Like that's, that was the first time that I really, really sat down and cried because I just couldn't fathom that my brother, like literally such an amazing kid literally has so much as Ahmaud Aubrey did as well. You know what I'm saying? Had so much ahead of them and then just coming home to, to them not coming home and just having your mom with no, with no outlet, with no resolution, just, just sadness, just pain. You know what I'm saying? Just being lost by the people who are supposed to protect you and not having anyone to go to. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure she reached out. I'm sure she did what she had to do, but she's, she was neglected. She was ignored. And the fact that that can happen in America where I so blindly believed that they were protecting us just shows that they're not. You know, I think I was even like either whether it was optimistic or maybe even just ignorant to everything that was going on. I used to justify it with maybe this is just one case. And but as yep. I got older, I realized it's not just one case. It's been too many cases for it to be one case. And Absolutely. Yeah. I just keep coming back to it's the become same a point that we need change. The momentum yeah, literally, of the situation literally. is coming to light. It's not, it's not a drizzle. It's a typhoon. It's a hurricane. It's a Category 5. It needs to be handled and exactly. rectified Category and Exactly. Category 5. Yes, yes, yes. You know, oh, if you put God. it in those terms to any Floridian or just anyone in general, they'll look at it and say, oh, wow, we've got to do something about it. <laughs> they right? understand that. Exactly. You have to Tampa break it down understand, understand that. Yeah. I have that's the what, that's how we have to present it to Jane Caster. Yeah. 
I think she's a sympathetic ear. I really do. I think she's one of these people that she's going to be in the right moment at the right time. I just think right now there's so many things that are in the system that are, I'm an optimist. Okay. Whether or not I'm accurate with that, we'll see. History will be on, uh, will be the greatest indicator of what happens going forward here in Tampa and around the world. It, you know, you're seeing a, a piecemeal effect. Depending on who's in power, you're going to see certain changes get incorporated, like you raised Minneapolis and L.A., and then you're going to have other leaders that aren't leading at the moment like they should. Anyone who's against yeah. this, in my opinion, are going to be on the wrong side of history. Uh, kind of like George Wallace in the 1960s, segregation now, segregation forever, and he got handed his hat to him, and then later on he came out against it. I think that's the yeah. kind of thing that's going to happen with this. I think you got people on the wrong side of history. I think they're going to have their hats handed to them. And I think they're going to have to learn to come, come, uh, come to Jesus for themselves on how to carry themselves in terms of race relations. That's just my opinion. Um, I want to ask you this. Looking at where you are right now, uh, we have a petition that's out there. What other things are being done in terms of your personal situation to protect your safety and to make sure that you're, you know, everything's okay, you know? Um, so to protect myself better, because like I said, I knew I did nothing wrong in that protest. And the, the scary spot for me is that I could have gone by and if my friend didn't record me or if they took her phone away and deleted that video when they arrested her as well, then who would have been there to, to advocate for me? Who would have been there to just like to, to, to fight for me to get out? And there would have been nobody. So from here on out, I've like, I've became a lot more calculated in our protests. Um, I now have my lawyer present at every protest to make sure that if anything does happen, she's a legal observer. Um, I also got a body camera, so I'm wearing it on my chest so that they can, there is no debate. I'm doing their job for them because they should have body cameras, but I put it, I put it on myself so that they can, there is no discrepancies on what I say. There is no discrepancies on what I do. And they'll see that everything I do is in the name of peace and everything I do is in the name of change in the name of showing them that the system is bad, not us. And that's, that's, that's the only way I can do it. I can't stop protesting. I can't stop going out. We've also conducted, like I said, call lists. We've conducted community service events to show that we're trying to build the community. After we do protests, we usually go out for a community service event the next day for a road cleanup. So we're trying so hard to show them that we're not these thugs and riders that they talk about. But that's, that's literally all I can think about doing. And I, I have my list of demands. I'm trying to, at this very moment, we're trying to compile a list of demands. Well, we have a decent list of demands, but we want to formulate it so that we can send it to Jane Castor and say, these are the demands that we want taken care of. Because at the end of the day, their jobs are catering towards protecting the people. And if the majority of the people are in the streets, then who are you protecting? <laughs> well, first of all, it, she, it shows a breakdown in the trust and leadership of your elected officials if you have mass protests going on repeatedly day after day after day uh, and being ignored, that would be the problem. And yeah, I, I want to ask you this. You do that when yeah, good. No, go ahead. No, that was there. I, just, I don't understand it. Fear. A lot of people come from things with a place of fear. They're afraid. What would happen if they give in to these? What would happen if they you know, make changes. There's going to be a backlash on everything. I don't know if you were, if you were here a couple of years ago when they took down the Confederate monument in front of the courthouse, there was a backlash to that. Eventually it got taken down and, and moved off site, but there was a backlash. Yeah. Even living in the Tampa area, I get sickened every time I go on I-4 to go to Orlando and by 75, there's a large Confederate flag on private property that flies full view for everyone to see. 
You can't do anything about it yeah. because unfortunately that guy, it's his private property. But for someone to actually in 2020 fly that as we're driving, I get offended by that. I just do. I think everyone should. It's not about Southern yeah. heritage. I, if you want to be prideful of where you're from, be prideful where you're from, but also be mindful. You be prideful, but more important to be mindful to think that you could offend someone else. And, and it's just not right. Um, if you had a chance to sit down one-on-one with Jane Pastor, how would you envision that going in your mind? Like, what would you want her to consider? And I'm not asking um, you for your list of your demands. I, I, don't, I know that yeah, you're not I, there yet. I just I would informally, say the main thing, Yeah, the main thing I would focus on is to respect the opinions of the people. It's to take, to cater more towards the people than you are, um, than you are the institutions that we've been raised on. Like, I know people think that just because we've been doing this since we were born, that this is the right way to do it. But if, like I said, there's, if there's a domino that, if there's 15 dominoes, you don't blame the last domino for falling. You go back to the root as to why that last domino fell. And that's what we need to do. And that's what I would tell her. I'd be like, I just want to speak with her and see as to why this wouldn't happen. Like, the police get the most budget out of all the other systems. So it's like, why can't we defund the police whether that's for, personally, I do believe in abolition, but that's a long process because I do think that we can build other parts of the community to, to prevent crime and to only have police officers as first responders to dangerous crime that they only need to. But I don't think they need to patrol the streets because we can have social services that can do just that, that are more catered and more, um, with more experience in doing that to cater to those people. So I would, I would basically speak with her to to get in touch with her community and to find out more directly how she can benefit the community, find out why the people are mad, go out and march with us and say, what can I do for you guys? You know? And then I think a lot of the people are going to say to defund the police and to put money into different social services so that we can build the community from the bottom instead of going up old, old institutions that don't work. That's a great, that's great point. Absolutely. I had uh, Dr. Charles on yesterday. She's uh, an expert in, she was a retired sergeant police in the police force for Colorado, and she has her PhD, and she published a book concerning basically bringing spirituality into the police force and how to, how to combat all these kind of issues that you see firsthand going on. And one of the things I thought was interesting with her and, and exactly with what you're tying in right now is one of the things she said during her interview was when inquired during her research, she asked somebody from one of the, one of the communities that were being policed, uh, what would be the main important thing you'd want the leaders to consider? What would you want the police to consider that, you know, isn't being done for you right now? You know what the person said to her? Let us police ourselves. Take a step away. Just back away. Let us us police our own community. Give us that opportunity. We love our community. You know, we want to thrive. Those are the kind of paradigms that are going to have to be at least entertained and considered at this point is what are the yeah, alternatives to preventing? Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And what alternatives can be presented to prevent the deaths, to prevent the discrimination, to prevent the harassment that is so rampant? I will tell you from my little slice of the pie of the world, I've had a couple of situations when I got pulled over on a traffic stop where I wasn't speeding or anything, but I felt negative energy from police in the past. And I'm not saying that those people are necessarily bad people. I think that they... I think we have good law enforcement officers. I, I'm not going to say that. I just think they're under a lot of pressure. I think that they don't have the right 
tools at their disposal to be able to handle the stressful situations of the society of what's put on them and demanded of them. And I think that there does need to be a paradigm shift in how they police. And I think the word police should have a positive connotation where they're helping the community, working yes. on problems. Well, let me ask you this. You're from Connecticut, and now you're here in Tampa. We're so glad to have you here. What <laughs> you. do you see yourself doing in five years? That's so hard. My, my life has <laughs> changed so much in two weeks. My life has changed so much in two weeks. Just, just three months ago, I was planning my trip to backpack Southeast Asia, and then corona hit. So then just yep. one month ago, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go home to stay with my family during Corona. And then the protest hit. And now this week, I have a felony. <laughs> so I, I, can't, you, uh, I can't even, I'm gonna correct I can't you even on that. engage. Yeah. Well, yes. Let me, let me correct you I'm for a second. You do not a have a felony. You do not have a felony. You're not going to have a felony. And they're trying to throw something at you for their own expediency to try to defuse the the momentum that exists. That's my independent observation, of course. I know it's not your opinion. That's my opinion. But I will say there's no char there's, there's charges pending, but it's not until it's proven and established that that could even occur. And, and I don't feel very strongly that's going to work at all in their favor. I really do think you're going to have those charges dropped at some point. Yeah. So Every video that we have goes against every statement that they've made, every single video. They said that I was telling people to throw stuff at the crowd. And every video that's out there of me, I've said three things, which was, of record, I told everyone to record because I knew something was about to go down. I told everyone to go to Burger King to get out of the police officer's way. And when that wasn't working, I told everyone to go back to Curtis Hickson because it's a public park and they cannot, it, we are within our jurisdiction for them to do anything. And it's public, so people will record and see everything on the streets. So those mm -hmm. were the three things that I said, but not once did I say to throw anything. And even in the speech I gave before I left, I said exactly what would happen and exactly what we were to do if it did happen. And it, it played out exactly like I said, but we couldn't conduct it because as I took a left corner around the sidewalk, three cop cars pulled up on me, so. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think going forward, I, I feel very strongly and I'll, I'll continue to pray and do everything, you know, on my end, but I think you have the large support of the community and you do have a lot in your, in your favor going forward with this. Let me ask you an easier question as one of our last questions. I asked Dr. Charles this yesterday, and I usually do ask different guests this. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? Oh, a spirit you want, animal. I could go, I could, yeah. Yes, you go, you go first. Give me, give me I'll go first, the justification to what yeah. you would choose. Yes. Yeah, for me, I said this yesterday, so my guests who hear I'm at my audience. I, I always consider myself like owl would be my spirit animal because they're wise. I have two birds, so I like parrots and birds. And the idea of an owl, you know, being wise and flying around and taking stuff in and observing things, that's like my spirit animal, yeah, yeah. basically. It's like my energy. So uh, people come up with different ones, you know? <laughs> I, I know I'm going to get so much, um, <laughs> so much hate for this, but I genuinely have always, always, always thought that, I resemble the dog. And I mean okay. that in not, and I want to elaborate on that, not in the childlike way or the naive way, but in the way that I, I really do care for my own. And I really do feel a sense of compassion and a, a sense of sympathy for everybody. I think I'm just naturally a lover of human life, a lover of human beings. And I think that's how dogs are. Like my mind goes everywhere. I like, I'm, I'm clumsy. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that I do that are just very 
similar to dogs, but the one thing that I resonate with the most <laughs> is just their ability to to literally pour into whoever they're whoever is taking care of them and whoever's showing that they that they are nurturing them. And I really feel as though I care about my community, like, and that's why I would say a dog. But I can't think of anything else. I, I've always said I act that's like a, a good dog. choice. I'm always energetic, and I'm always pacing around, and I'm always thinking. So that's why I think I'm like a dog. (laughs) And the other thing is, you're loyal. (laughs) You're loyal. Yes, I am loyal. I am loyal. I am loyal. I missed that one. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. I think that's a great choice. I want to thank you for coming on today. I I definitely think – oh, can you tell our audience, uh, do you have anything coming up in the near future that you want our audience to know about? Um, How would they know more about – the stuff you're working towards? What would be the best way for people to find out about you or to, to you know, look into the oh, situation well, more? How would they, how would, is there a website or something for them or an Instagram that they can go on to uh, find you or what's your Yeah, best? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not formal on any level. I just have my Instagram. My Instagram is emadi underscore O, which is E-M-A-D-I underscore O. And that will okay. also, that's why I post all my protests. That's why I post the call this. I'm a part of the Black Collective Movement of Tampa, but I also post everything on my page as well. And in my bio, you'll see the Black Collective Movement of Tampa that you can also click on to find more information. And they do like educational seminars and things where you can learn a little bit more in depth. But all protests, all interactive things such as call lists and um, call jams and stuff like that will be on my page that you can find that anytime really. Excellent. Amadi, I thank you for taking your time out of your schedule to sit and talk to me today. No, and thank this you. With our thank you. <laughs> you know, um, for no, me, I, appreciate I, this so much. I, re- I do, I do think people will, will hear about this a little more than just looking at it online and reading an article or a blurb about it. And I think the important thing is having a chance to see you as just anyone else. And you remind me of like, I, I'm an alumnus of the university of Tampa. You remind me of one of my younger fraternity brothers that currently attend UT. If I wasn't <laughs> sit down with them, I yeah. feel like I'm talking to you right now. You know, you, you resonate yeah. from your generation. And I, I, I don't, you know, one of the things that happens with these kind of situations is you, you, people try to dehumanize each other's side. And I don't want to dehumanize anyone's side, you know, any of the mm-hmm. police officers or even Jane Castor or anyone who's on. And I don't think Jane Castor's on the other side of this argument. I think she, I, I have a good feeling she's going to be very supportive going forward. But any of us who are involved in this, it's not about, you know, us versus them at all. It's about all of us. <laughs> and in that respect, and it's about, exactly, exactly. So I just want to really thank you for coming on. And uh, I just want to let you know that uh, you, you have more support than you realize. And there's more people out there that are going to support this whole thing going forward. Yeah. And you're never going to be able to. I just want to say thank That's you, the point. thank you, thank you. Like, this gave me a voice. And a lot of times that, we're not we're not allowed to share our voice, and I, I appreciate that because this this is fighting that stereotype that we're not uh, and outriders. We're just people who want change and people who are tired and hurt and in pain. So that's why I really want to emphasize thank you because I this is a platform that people need to hear and that people need to hear the truth behind the situation and not just what's shown in the news. But I'm really hey, <laughs> you'll never you'll never have to thank me for being you and doing what you're doing and 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 i'm always welcoming you on the show because for me it's a it's a privilege to highlight what you're trying to do and it's also a privilege to to be involved in this and just seeing it open up and seeing all these changes that are you know they're slow right now but it's going to happen i I, i'm very confident call it a hunch i see it happening so going forward 
this is just the first step of a trip, of a journey. But at some point, the destination is going to be reached at some level, and, and it's going to be noticeable. It's not going to be lip service anymore. No lip service necessary. We don't need lip service. We need action. <laughs> exactly. And so. only action. And only action. So, yes, exactly. I agree exactly. 110%. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, our audience, I encourage everyone to, to listen you know, to this podcast and also to check you out. And um, let's hope Jane Castor becomes responsive and maybe we'll, she'll schedule a meeting with you or something, God willing. We could always hope. Um, yes, please. We have a lot of good things coming. I really do have faith in this, and I really would like people to be tuned in for it. Absolutely. Do you have any other words you want to share with our audience before we uh, end the interview? I would just say that silence is violent. Um, silence is violent, and that if you are not with us, you're against us. And I think that has to be noted that this can't be another protest. This just can't be another march in the street. This has to be for change, and we can't stop until we see that. And I mean that. No justice, no peace. We need to keep fighting. Thank you. I 100% agree with you. you. Anyone sitting on the sidelines right now is going to snooze, and they're going to lose to be on the wrong side of history. So we all have to take our actions Mm -hmm. and our steps and do what we need to do, working together. (laughs) Thank you so much, Amadi. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. I'm going to conclude the the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just want to thank Amadi for coming on to the show. I know it's a big step for him. He's dealing with a lot. You know, two weeks ago, somebody would have asked me, what direction am I taking with this podcast and what am I trying to do? Uh, things happen in our lives. You don't always think something can occur like George Floyd's death and all these other situations that are going on. Um, participating in two protests myself made me realize that I can't be on a spectator on the sidelines. And if I can share ideals and ideas and and get different people to share perspectives like Amadi's or Dr. Charles. I want to do that. And if there's anyone in in this audience that knows other people that might be able to come on the show and share their unique perspective regarding the Black Lives Matters movement, um, social justice reform, or anything of the like, I'm happy to um, entertain and give you an opportunity to talk. I also welcome uh, the mayor of Tampa, Jane Castor, the Honorable Jane Castor, to come on the show as well. She's interested. Uh, you know, our goal with all this is to really just, I started out as a spectator. I didn't think I'd be more involved in this, but I'm happy that I am. And I hope that as a society, we can come together and tackle these challenges firsthand. My interactions with Amadi, uh, you know, getting a chance to talk to him today on the show and just talking to him a little bit before this, anyone else, he's an exceptional person. He has a, a bright future in front of him, but for him to enjoy his life and move forward, he sees injustices. And those injust- injustices are so blatant and so obvious at this point, you just can't ignore it anymore. When someone puts their knee on someone's throat for eight minutes plus and expects us to just get over it and move on with life, that's not the way this is going to work anymore. And I, I, I just hope that people can keep their level heads on each other's side and, and we don't need to resort to negativity, that we really could have a constructive dialogue with all of these issues going forward. And we don't need to have people like Amadi or anyone else arrested or injured or hurt because they just want equality. Equality is enshrined in our constitution. It's never been lived up to, but it's there. And our country needs to look at that and really consider it. Anything that's being asked right now has been asked in the past. 
and we really need those things to change. And I, I know Amadi is somebody who's going to be a leader. He already is. But when I met him at the protest, I felt very strongly that he's going to have a very strong um, in this movement and in everything else. So with that, I gave him all the support in the world and all the prayers and all the the warm the warmth that's necessary um, moving forward with these things. And for anyone out there who sends me a message and says all lives matter, blue lives matter, purple lives matter, green lives matter, I have to say this. This is just my opinion, no one else, but my personal perspective. I support the Black Lives Matter movement because it's important to recognize that in the unjust and injustice that's occurred, having people die at the hands of a police officer and then having no recourse, no accountability in most of those cases, that's a repulsive thing. And there's no words to, to mince with that. That said, I'm not advocating any violence on anybody. I don't want violence on any law enforcement. I don't want any violence on any protesters, demonstrators, people expressing their freedom of speech. This should all be met with an open ear and an open mind. And eventually, hopefully an open heart. That's what we need. We need to open our hearts, open our minds, and open our ears. Obviously, have dialogue with each other. Protest is a form of dialogue, especially when done right in a peaceful way. And hopefully, that's what our leadership across the country is going to recognize in the long run. And Amadi is one of those people that is bringing the focus to light. So with that, I thank everyone for tuning into this episode. And I thank Amadi for coming on. I know he's destined for big things. He's already showing that. And there's thousands of Amadis out there across the country and across the world. Everyone who's protesting right now, this is our movement. This is our time. Happy Pride Month, everybody. I hope that if anyone has any, anything to leave from this episode, is just to think about these circumstances from the human approach. You know, anyone you see on TV protesting, that person has a family, that person has life, dreams, and goals, and they're giving those things up to sacrifice those things right now to try to create a change in our society. And with that, I will say it's going to happen. And I'm just happy. Uh, anyone who supports this, I believe you're on the right side of history. So, Amadi, thank you so much for coming on. And until this is handled the right way, peaceful protests are the way to go. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. 
Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid. 